Once again, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount. We've come through and, and we've seen God, uh, Jesus, as He's preaching. He gave us a whole bunch of what we call Beatitudes or Christian attitudes, how we're supposed to behave. And it almost seems impossible. Then He talked about uh, anger and adultery and all sorts of things. And we're finding out that the letter of the law is one thing, but the intent of the heart is something else. Let's look at these verses again this morning. Verse 33 says, And again, you have heard that it has been said of them of old time, Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. But I say unto you, Swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst make one hair white or black. But let your communications be yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. You stop right here on this little section and give you a little bit of what's going on. Remember I told you the Pharisees, man, they are legal experts. And what do you know about people who are legal experts? usually wrong well legal experts are able to find loopholes they're able to skirt around the intention and they they'll keep the letter of the law but they miss the intention so what what they're saying here and what christ is trying to correct is the pharisees would swear and you know we're not supposed to swear by god according to the old testament they were not supposed to do that and if they did that meant they really had to keep their oath so what they were doing is coming up by swearing about other things so they didn't have to keep their oath. It's like when you were a little kid and you really wanted somebody to believe that you're going to keep their promise, you were going to keep your promise, but you knew you wouldn't, and you say, cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. That sounded pretty serious, but you knew you weren't going to keep the promise, and you're definitely not going to stick a needle in your eye. This is what Jesus is going to be correcting. Then he goes on in, in, in verse 38. It says, Ye have heard it been, hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him also the, uh, the other also. And if any man sue thee at law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not away. Oh, you mean I've got to forgive those people that mistreat me? Yeah, that's what Jesus is saying here. If somebody smacks you, turn them the other cheek. If somebody, and in those days they could compel you to take away your stuff. If they compel you to take away your coat, Give them your cloak also. If they, want your, if they want your shirt, give them your jacket too. If they want your jacket, give them your shirt too. And, and they could compel you to go walk with them and carry their stuff. The Jews hated this part because the Romans could say, hey, you, carry my stuff. And they'd have to go for a mile. Well, Jesus says, no, just go ahead and take it two miles for them. He, he's asking them to do some pretty incredibly hard things 
And he finishes up with this. You have heard it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them which curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the publicans so. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which in heaven is perfect. This is a hard one. Love your enemies? Are you kidding? I like that eye for an eye thing. I dated a girl one time. I should have I should have been aware that this was not going to go well. Because even on our first date, she goes, I want you to remember, I don't get mad, I get even. That was a bad girlfriend, let me tell you. <laughs> man, you talk about eye for an eye, man. It was worse than that. Listen. We want to take vengeance. We want to go eye for eye. I mean, you mess with me, I'm going to mess with you bigger. And Jesus is talking to people who, who have been under this, this law. This was Old Testament law. It had been said of this. He is expanding upon it, going to the heart of the matter, not just the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law. And he, he, he's, he, he's turning it upside down. He's turning everything upside down. And you know what? He lived every bit of this. I want you to think about this. Has Did Jesus keep his promises? Yeah. He, he, we, we know from the Bible that God is truth, and that's the only place we can always have truth, and that God always tells the truth. And that he always keeps his promises. Jesus keeps every one of his promises. He doesn't have to swear. He doesn't have to give an oath. He keeps his promises. He's asking us to do the same. You know, you look at the life of Jesus, you look at the, uh, the things he suffered, and Jesus patiently took the abuse that was poured out on him. I mean, from the start of his ministry, people were pouring out abuse on him. Who do you, I mean, he goes to his hometown, he goes to church, goes to the synagogue. He reads scripture. He reads this scripture out and he says, today you've seen this fulfilled. And all those people that knew him wanted to go throw him off, a mount, off the edge of the mountain and stone him. From the very beginning of his ministry, until his death on the cross, he was abused. In fact, even after he rose again, even to this day, he's abused. Is there any other religious leader whose name is used as a cuss word? Jesus Lee has patiently taken abuse after abuse 
after abuse. Just recently in our uh, media, we've seen where some Christians are starting to be abused. They made fun of, of Mike Pence, and it, it's really starting to happen. And, and I'm going to give you, just watch things. There's a doctrine, in a, even in some churches now, um, called universalism. And really what that is, is that everybody will end up in, in heaven. God loves everybody so much and that, that everybody will end up in heaven. Everybody, because of his love. They forget about his justice and all, these, all the other parts of his attributes. But what that will say and how, where that will go is that those who believe the rest of the Bible, the, the, the part of God's judgment and that his holiness and his requirement for um, salvation through Jesus Christ, that they're messed up. And they have, they have we have um, erased the true doctrine of Christ, which will open up to persecution for those who are Bible believers. You watch it. It's going to happen. Seeds are being laid now. There's churches this morning that will be teaching that universalism used to be strong fundamental Baptist preachers that are now teaching that stuff. Jesus patiently takes the abuse that we pour out on him. And you know what? Jesus loves us despite our hatred toward him. I mean, we often just, even his people, remember he said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And we don't always keep his commandments. Sometimes we don't even try to keep his commandments. Sometimes we know what that commandment is, and we're going to, we just decided we're going to do what we want to do anyway. Well, by the way, I'm included in that. I'm not, believe me, I'm as messed up as anybody else. But the world hates him. The world hates Jesus. I read about some, a, uh, an actor said he was praying for a producer of something, and he got the, he's put it out on Twitter. I don't tweet. I started, first of all, I don't have that much to say that I want in public. <laughs> and, and all you are is a target for somebody who dislikes you or to, to, to rail on you. But this poor guy said he was praying for this man who had had a heart attack, and he got more hatred back. Unbelievable. Billy Graham was just laid to rest this week. And believe it or not, there's a lot of people who hated him. They really hate him. They hate Jesus. But Jesus loves us anyway. What I'm describing in, in Jesus' character and God's character is a thing called grace. You see, grace is, a, is the most amazing thing as we just sound, sang about. It's amazing that God despite us, despite the fact that we don't keep our word, we abuse him, we take revenge, we, but all the things, we can't live up. He gives us the grace to take away all of our sin, grace to empower us to live for him. Grace. It's a, the Bible Ephesians says, it's for by grace are you saved. Through faith, not of yourselves, at least any man should boast. The grace of God, that Jesus Christ, 
would sacrifice himself for us. We didn't deserve it. We can't do enough to deserve it. Yet he gave us that grace, that mercy. He keeps extending that grace to those who, who hate him and who mock him and who persecute him, who persecute his people, who lie and cheat and steal, who, oh, but we're not that bad. No, but even the things we do are that bad. I'm not as bad as him. No, but you're worse than her. God extends that grace to us. And as Jesus is teaching through this Sermon on the Mount, over and over again, as he is redefining the law, not, not undoing the law, as he is giving a clearer a clearer definition of law, actually narrowing it down to not only the action but the intent, we see how his grace must be given to us and we as followers of Christ must demonstrate his grace in our lives. Let me tell you this morning, it is imperative that we demonstrate the grace of God in our lives every day. Here's some ways we do that. Number one, we keep his word. Oh, wait, let's see if we got all your, there we go. I wasn't clear on some of those points, so sometimes it's hard to pick them up. We need to keep our word. Matthew 5, 37. But let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay. For whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. In Psalm 15, David writes a psalm, and he, he says this. Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up reproach against his neighbor, in whose eyes a vile person is not contemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. We have to keep our word. Have you ever found it's sometimes it's really hard to keep your word? I mean, have you ever promised to do something for somebody and then have a better offer come along? Wednesday night, Wednesday, Tuesday night, I got a phone call from somebody. It says, look, I got free fishing. Going out of charter boat with a great captain in Sarasota. You want to go fishing? Yes, I want to go fishing. Don't think you'll get back in time for Wednesday night service. I think I made a commitment to be here for Wednesday night service. I thought really hard. I said, man, I could put out a video. I can get somebody to cover that service and I can go fishing. I really want to go fishing. Because this is back to fishing that I used to do when I was in the business. And we were going to go out, and I know that this time of year, there's some grouper out there, some snapper. We were going to, it was going to be wonderful. I came to church. I was here. 
I was at church. I promised to be at church, so as much as I wanted to go fishing, I stayed here. You ever promise your kids something? And then something kind of come up that's better than what you were going to do with your kid, and maybe my kids will just understand. Guess what? They really don't understand. What about a promise to your wife? I don't promise my wife anything that I don't do. I don't want to. I don't want to do that. Well, let's go past the, 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 those that you love so much. But what about someone else? Have you ever made a promise, and it's going to cost you money and time that you don't really want to use to keep that promise? takes grace when you keep those promises that cost you it takes grace you're showing God's grace to someone else you see God always keeps his promises right we know that Jesus always keeps his promises and we don't want to be like the Pharisees who who promised to do something and they swear an oath that they're going to do it but they they twist the law just enough that they can get out of it no Jesus said, you make a promise, keep your promise. That's extending grace. That's where we need to be. We need, man, we promise something, we need to keep that promise. And we can't do, always do that by our own power. We have to do that by the grace of God. By the way, I think probably God honored me by sticking with my word and, and, and preaching and teaching Wednesday night instead of going fishing. I'll probably get to go fishing even better than that. Yeah, just found out I got put on passes with my um, son-in-law and daughter's airline, Tropic Ocean Air. They fly the Bahamas. I can fly the Bahamas free. Maybe I'll just fly over to Bimini, catch a captain there, and go fishing. It's going to be a whole lot better than going out of Sarasota. Not only do we have to keep our word if we're going to extend God's grace, if we're going to demonstrate God's grace in our lives, but we have to forgive those who wrong us. You have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that you resist evil, but whoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Romans 12, 19, by the way, on Wednesday night we're studying, we've been studying Romans and we're in Romans 12. We haven't got this part yet. But Romans 12, 19 says this, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Listen, when, when, when we are wronged, we must forgive. I want to tell you, not only for the sake of those who wronged us, but for our sakes. Because what did Jesus do? For every one of us who have wronged him, and we, every one of us have, what did he do? He forgave us. When he died on that cross, when he shed his blood, it is sufficient to forgive everyone who's ever existed and ever who will exist. It is totally sufficient to do that. I'm going to use a big word I learned in college. It's not efficacious to everyone. Uh-huh. 
Do I need to redefine that for some of y'all that come from the country? <laughs> it doesn't apply to everybody. If it applied to everybody, if it was efficacious to everybody, then we're back to that universalism. It only applies to those who, who reach out by faith and accept that gift of grace. We're to forgive those people that harm us. Let me tell you something. Some of you have hard things to forgive. There are some very difficult things in your life to forgive. I don't know what all has happened in your world. I know things that happened in my world. I know things that have happened in others' worlds. Some horribly bad, bad things. But through the grace of God and by extending God's grace, you can forgive them. Okay, by the way, let me, let me just a little caveat here. Don't let people continue to abuse abuse and abuse you and to treat you horribly and to do bad things to you. I'm not saying that. God's word doesn't say that. You escape that. You get away from that. You don't allow that to happen. You make sure that doesn't happen. But you can forgive that person for things they've done. I was looking on the wall, our, our missionaries this, this week are Don and Cheryl Rooks. And Don and Cheryl, they minister to pastors and missionaries, and they take them through conferences to help them deal with some of the issues of, of uh, uh, some of the horrible issues of, uh, that pastors and missionaries have and, and, and all those difficulties. It's a great ministry. But Cheryl, if she ever gave her testimony, they've been here several times, her father abused her and abused their daughter and she was able to forgive them. Even those horrible things. You see, it, it, it's God's grace. It's God's grace. And when we keep our word and when we forgive those who wrong us, we are extending God's grace. We are showing people what God has shown us and given to us we are able to give that last point here in extending God's grace to others and demonstrating God's grace in our lives we keep our word we forgive those who wrong us but then we love those who hate you Matthew 5:44. but I say unto you love your enemies bless them that curse you do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Romans 12, 14. Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, verse 20 in chapter 12 of Romans, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. We have to love our enemies. I was, uh, last Saturday I was up in Tampa, my friend Lee, and uh, Lee and I went to Bible college together. We have similar stories in life. Um, uh, but Lee tells his, his salvation story. Lee was a, uh, working on a, on a boat. He was a merchant marine at the time, and he had a guy that worked with him was a Christian. And that guy would pray at meals, and that guy, Lee just hated him. And that guy would say, hey, I'm praying for you. He goes, man, I hate you. Leave me alone. As that guy left the boat, he gave Lee a little 
New Testament, little Gideon's New Testament. He says, man, I love you. You, you. You're my best friend. You get out of here, man. I hate you. Lee was not doing well one night. He had uh, dropped his drugs on the floor of the ship. On the deck, I guess it's a deck. What do you call it on the, on the bottom? Is it still deck? I'm not a Navy guy. I'm an Air Force guy. But he scraped up his heroin and his cocaine and a little bit of rust and stuck it in the needle and shot it in his arm, and he was not doing real well. And he cried out to God, Help! And he remembered that little Bible that this guy who he mistreated so bad had given him, and he started reading and memorizing, and God transformed his life, and he has been serving God the rest of his life, and he will continue. That man, I can't remember his name. That least still has that Bible. He shows it to everybody. That man loved his enemy. And God's grace came upon his enemy and transformed him into his best friend. You see, those who hate us, those who dislike us, for no other reason that we're followers of Christ, we need to love them. We need to extend that grace of God. We need, listen, we call ourselves Christian, Christ-like. We are followers of Christ. What, however you want to describe yourself, in your relationship with Jesus, we are to be like Him. To be like Him, we must give grace. We forgive, we keep our word, and we love those that hate us. We demonstrate God's grace to them. And you know what? When they're in trouble, they're going to come to us. And you know what? When they come to us, we can give them the very answer that changed our lives. How God's grace can save you. You can be forgiven of your sins. You can be given eternal life. We're on Missions Conference Week. Missions Month. It's all about spreading the word about God's grace. This morning, as we have seen how Jesus is turning things upside down, and all of those things happen because of His grace, let's us live grace-filled lives. Let's demonstrate God's grace in our lives to others to glorify Him and to get His message around the world. Let's pray together this morning. Father, uh, we come this morning and your grace is amazing. It is greater than all of our sins. Father, it transforms and changes us into your image. Help us, Father, to live grace-filled lives. Give us the grace to extend your grace. Help us to demonstrate your love, your grace, and your mercy as we live our lives in this world, lifting you up and glorifying you. Pray, Lord, if there's one here that has never 
called on you and received you as their Savior, who has never experienced your grace in their life, that this morning they'll allow us to show them from the Bible how they can know for sure that heaven's their home. And for the rest of us, Lord, we just ask that you empower us to spread the gospel through demonstrating grace in our lives as you have demonstrated grace to us. And Lord, we know this will glorify you. And we bring it to you and ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand. <clears throat>